1: Hello, Texas. So glad you're joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Boy, we have gotten some rain this spring, haven't we? Along the Texas Gulf Coast, they've gotten over three feet of rain in many places. But despite all of that rain, the corn and sorghum crops in that area look pretty good. We'll have more on that coming up. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Feedyard operators in the Texas High Plains keep on going, despite having a hard time making money. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today
3: getting back to your doctor's office for those medical screenings you missed last year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag today.
4: Wet weather continues across the rolling plains, and it's bringing challenges to farmers this spring. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have an update in my report from north-central Texas.
1: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Despite heavy spring rainfall along the Texas Gulf Coast this year, the corn and sorghum crops there are looking surprisingly good. Jessica Dommel has the story.
5: Corn and grain sorghum are looking good along the upper Gulf Coast, but Texas farmers should still be on the lookout for pests and disease that may be lingering after recent wet weather. Eleanor Oftenkamp, field sales agronomist for Pioneer, joins us with more.
6: We got anywhere from 25 to 45 inches of rain the month of May. Depending on where you're at and whether you're on the high side or the low side of the field, things are looking fairly good for being essentially drowned out. Our biggest struggles now are nitrogen deficiencies, corn that just plain drowned it out, and also disease pressure. But all in all, things are progressing along great, and we're looking to have a pretty good crop in front of us.
5: Often Camp says the corn in her coverage area right now is anywhere from late dough to dent stage. She says some of that corn could need a late fungicide application due to southern
6: rust. That would be probably my number one concern, especially in maybe the wet spots that you haven't been able to scout lately. Make sure that we're keeping kind of disease top of mind. We're to the point where there's not a whole lot we can do in terms of, you know, nutrients or nitrogen, either the plant at the tail end of using it or there's not enough time to get something, have the plant take it up.
5: Grain sorghum growers in the upper Gulf Coast area should also watch for midge. There have also been a few reports of sugarcane aphids.
6: I've ran into a few small colonies, nothing that we've sprayed for quite yet, but I'm sure depending on what the weather forecast looks like, we just need to, you know, not let those go out of our mind. Anthracnose, where sorghum has sat in the water, might tend to pop up. And then headworms and those kind of things at this stage in the season are always important to keep monitoring as well.
5: That was Eleanor Oftenkamp, pioneer agronomist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: Feed yard operators in the Texas High Plains keep on going, despite having a hard time making money this spring. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle.
2: Prices for fed cattle appear to be receiving the annual bump that typically occurs during grilling season. Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says cash prices received by Texas High Plains feed yards were around $122 per hundredweight last week, about $2 to $3 higher than the week before. However, Miller says at least on a cash basis, area feed yards are still operating below break evens, and the already significant per head losses may be growing in the months to come.
7: Today, many of these closeouts are probably going to be looking at about a $100 loss as cattle coming out of the feed yards today. For cattle that are going into the feed yards, that loss looks to be even a little greater we're probably looking at a couple hundred dollar loss if you're putting an animal on feed today
2: we've talked about the strain livestock producers are experiencing from high feed cost but miller says feed yards are also under pressure from feeder cattle prices which have been climbing in part due to the drought
7: in the texas panhandle yes we have seen some rain here over the last 45 days 60 days but if you go west of the texas panhandle you go into arizona you go into california as we've
3: been watching the news those those guys are in
7: severe drought and they've been liquidating lots of their cattle as well. So the feeder price feeder markets have been increasing and we'll continue to see that I think throughout.
2: Despite the difficulties, Miller says cattle feeders remain optimistic and the hope is things will turn around by the fourth quarter of this year. And here's an encouraging note to close on. Miller says the long-standing backlog of cattle in area feed yards is diminishing as workers return to packing plants.
7: With the packers' willingness to improve their pay for getting these employees to work, we've seen improved daily packer harvest numbers.
2: I'm James Hunt on the
1: Texas Farm Bureau radio network. It's time to get back on schedule with doctor visits after the past year's COVID lockdown. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Waco doctor about the importance of
3: post-COVID medical screenings. In our Waco studio today is Waco physician, Dr. James Sharp. And today, doctor, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that even though the coronavirus pandemic and the issues surrounding uh, COVID-19 are still present uh, across the country, but certainly uh, much more manageable at this time compared to uh, just a few months ago and certainly a year ago when a lot of people uh, did not go to see uh, either yourself or other doctors, uh, specialists and uh, their family doctors, for a number of reasons uh, that they should have. And your advice now is that they need to get in and and get those uh, colonoscopies or uh, go to their dermatologist, check on uh, the possibility of uh, of various uh, ailments.
8: That's right, although the listeners can't tell this from Their vantage point, I suppose, I just want to make a comment. It's great to be back in the studio. I think it's been, what, something like 15 months since you and I actually sat face-to-face. We've been doing the previous shows by telephone calls, and this is part of the... Fact that the COVID pandemic has largely been put under control as our state is opened back up, people are eating out more and in a little bit more crowded environments, and I, I think we've done extremely well with this. It's been a real struggle, but I, I think people have shown the ability to take care of themselves, and when they're given enough information to make good decisions. Having said that, I just thought it'd be a good idea for us to, to discuss the need for getting back into the doctor's office to review screening tests that might need to be done. Mammograms need to be done. Uh, get back on a yearly schedule. There are a lot of different things. Some blood tests, colonoscopies, other screening for cancers. And with some are now upon us, I think that discussing skin cancers a little bit might be helpful.
3: Yeah, certainly going into dermatologist uh, would be a good idea for many people if indeed they feel that they have some issues. And uh, you know, of course, farmers and ranchers are out uh, working uh, in the hot sun every year, and certainly uh, this summer is no exception.
8: I agree. There are different types of skin cancers. Some skin cancers are directly related to the amount of sun exposure, so you're going to see it more commonly on the backs of your hands, or on your ears, on your face. So whenever you see a spot on your skin that you don't remember seeing before or if it's painful or it tends to bleed if it's scratched too much. These things should be shown to a physician. And I would suggest as a family practitioner that if you have a first degree relative that has skin cancer like melanoma or a personal history of melanoma, you really should be seeing a dermatologist probably once a year for a very good skin cancer screening.
3: That is Waco physician, Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers in the Rolling Plains have had a wet
1: spring, but it's time to dry out and get on with the growing season. Barry Mahler reports from the Wichita Falls area.
4: Well, it's wet here on the Rolling Plains, in fact, so wet that I'm hearing farmers say things like, I wish it would stop raining. Now, I don't think our wishes have a lot of effect on the weather, but I'm going to make a point not to wish that it'll stop raining, because I still remember when it forgot to start again. We are wet after record rainfalls across a good portion of north and central Texas, and that reaches down into east Texas, and it's having an effect on Rolling Plains agriculture. Uh, By this time in the past, we would have the cotton crop in the ground and at least be in the final season stages of getting the winter wheat crop harvested, but not this year. Farmers have just started getting the planters rolling when the rain put them on the sidelines once again, and the required planning date for qualifying for federal crop insurance is looming on the horizon, and it ranges anywhere from late June to the first of July, depending on which region a producer is in. So there needs to be some progress made in the next few days. Harvest has begun on winter wheat, and with just a few fields cut, the news is promising with good yields reported. But the wet weather is bringing challenges in several ways. When wheat is ripe and ready for harvest, it is at its peak in both yield and quality. And rain on ripe wheat removes some of the oils from the seed, lowering the weight of the wheat, and it lowers the nutritional value. If the ripe grains stay wet too long, they can actually sprout in the head, and that can downgrade the wheat to low-grade feed grain rather than high-quality milling wheat, and that will hit you in the pocket. And of course, rain and wind can do physical damage to the plant, making the harvest slow and difficult. Now, much of our crop is harvested by custom harvesters that follow the ripening wheat north through the summer and they have commitments on up the line so if they're forced to leave the area there will be a shortage of harvest capacity so the challenges continue but the good news is that we have filled lakes and ponds as our water supply will be in good shape for the summer and uh, by the way the corn and milo that's been planted in the area is looking good right now so let's face it hotter and probably drier weather is headed our way in the next few weeks and looking back we've gone through this before and somehow, our farmers just continue to find a way to get it done. This is Barry Mallard reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today.
1: Storing round bales properly can decrease loss and save you money. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on
1: everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. I know a lot of us store round bales outside, but storing those bales properly can decrease loss and save you a lot of money. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice.
9: experts at drovers.com indicate that one-third to one-half of the hay in a round bale is in the outer six inches of the bale, and this is the area that is most susceptible to weather damage. You may not realize this, but the outer six inches is the largest area of circumference in the bale, so it contains a lot of hay. Storing round bales outside can lead to losses of 25%, so in reality, the bale actually costs 25% more than you paid for it if you lose 25% of the hay due to weather damage. If you can store your hay indoors, it is worth the trouble to do so, as you may likely pay for a barn over the years with the savings in hay cost. However, if that is impossible, increasing the density of the bales helps to decrease moisture absorption, and the minimum density should be 10 pounds of hay per cubic foot. It is a good idea to cover round bales that are stored outside with plastic or canvas and do not stack bales unless all of them will be covered. Weathering can reduce the quality and digestibility of the hay. Plastic wrap, net wrap, or tarps can be used to decrease hay damage and save more hay. The next best option to a barn is storing the round bales on a 6-inch rock base so the area will drain well and minimize spoilage at the bottom of the bale. Ground contact with the bale is a major cause of hay loss, and water can even wick up into the bale. If you cannot use crushed rock as a base, you can use discarded pallets, fence posts, or railroad ties to keep the hay off the ground. Always stack bales end-to-end to to decrease exposure of the end of the bale to the weather. Use at least three feet of spacing between rows of bales and orient the rows in a north-to-south direction for drying. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas
1: bat pups face several threats this spring. Jessica Domal explains in today's wildlife report.
5: In the coming weeks, we'll see bat populations grow by about 50% in Texas. That's because it is currently bat maternity season. Female bats have been building roosts, having their babies, which are called pups, flying out to forage for them and then coming back home to nurse. Dr. Nate Fuller, bat biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says bat pups are small when they're first born, weighing about a gram or two, and they face a number of threats.
10: If you look at a big cluster of bats on the ceiling, they're constantly jostling around and fighting for position and squeaking at each other and biting each other and just being all around kind of rude. Pups will get dislodged often and flop down onto the ground. Sometimes the pup will land on the ground and let out these distress calls and the mother will hear it and go down and pick up the pup and bring it back home. Other times this will go unnoticed or the mom can't find the pup or whatever. And the pup is laying on the bottom of the cave. There are what are called dermestid beetles. They're basically flesh eating beetles that wait for something to flop down to the bottom of the cave. They'll come and they eat the pup that's laying on the ground.
5: When bat pups are learning how to fly in mid-July, they may fall on the cave floor and may also die. Fuller says that's why oftentimes carnivores will hang out near bat roosts.
10: There's a lot of danger involved, and that's why I said earlier that when the pups become volant, the colony size increases by about 50%. I didn't say 100%. The colony size doesn't double because while maybe a lot of the mothers have had their pups, not all of the pups are going to survive. An awful lot of them don't make it.
5: That was Dr. Nate Fuller, a biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: We have seen a lot of volatility in the corn market over the last several trading sessions, so how did things shake out on Tuesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
5: After trading mostly lower for much of the day Monday, the cattle markets rebounded on Tuesday. Live cattle for June up $2.12 to one twenty-three ten. Live cattle for August up $2.15 to one twenty-three seventeen. October live cattle up $1.72 to $128.37. August feeder cattle up $3.25 to 158.35, September feeder cattle up $2.97 to 160.35, October feeder cattle up $2.80 to 162.12. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble
7: neighbor when you hear old auctioneer Troy sound off it's time to head to Cameron cross the little river and talk to Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. Kenny how'd the sale go Friday?
11: Just about like we thought Larry we had 1,327 cattle out of that mix we had 333 cows 21 bulls 190 sellers and 89 buyers so everything went real good.
7: Let's walk those pins.
11: All right, with the steers under 300, 155 to 180, three to 400 pound steers, 110 to 185, four to 500 pound steers, a dollar, to dollar 85, and over 500, 80 to dollar 68. On the heifers under 300, 130 to 182 and a half. three to 400 pound heifers, a dollar to dollar 58. To 500 pound heifers, 90 to $1.54, and over 570 to 100 and a half. On the Packer cows, they took a little money off of them from 35 to 76. Packer bulls from 75 to 104, about steady on your bread cows from 380 to 1400 and on your cow calf pairs from 550 to 1575
7: good so you had a, a good sale what was the count 1327 tell us our 4th of july sale schedule
11: 4th of july we will not have a sale on july the 2nd we will return on july the 9th.
7: tell everybody how to get a hold of you
11: you bet. Just catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday from about 9 to 3 at 254-697-6697. You can follow us on our webpage at com or catch us on Facebook.
7: All right. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Larry. Have a great one. Texas Farming and Ranching Neighbors, y'all have a great one, too. Just come on back down the lane to the kitchen table. Enjoy a edition of Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with me, your host, Larry Marble. Good day.
5: Lean hogs up slightly Tuesday. Lean hogs for July up 47 cents to 107.52. Lean hogs for August up 2 cents to 103.70. Black cheese rose to $1.47 Tuesday. Barrel cheese fell a penny to $1.47. That drove Class 3 milk prices up slightly. Class 3 milk for June up 2 cents to 1733 100 weight. Class three milk for July up three cents to sixteen forty nine a hundredweight. After mostly following the grain markets on Monday, cotton diverged on Tuesday. Cotton for July up thirteen points to eighty four twenty two. Cotton for October up sixty points to eighty six fifty six. Cotton for December up forty five points to eighty five sixty three. There was some weakness in the corn markets Tuesday due to forecasted heavy rains in the corn belt and drought in other corn growing areas. Corn for September down 18 and a quarter to 553. Corn for December down 18 to 539. And here's something that may impact corn as we move forward through this month. Brazilian farmers will reportedly harvest under 94 million metric tons of corn this season, that's about 8.5% lower than the last forecast, according to Reuters. That's largely due to the effect that drought has had on Brazil's second corn crop of the year. Wheat also fell. Hard red wheat for July down three and a quarter to five ninety-six and a half. Hard red wheat for September down three and a quarter to six hundred six. Soybeans for July down twenty and a half to thirteen ninety-four and a half. Soybeans for November down 17 to 1302 and a quarter. Natural gas for July up 7 cents to 326. Natural gas for August up 6 cents to 328. Crude oil fell slightly Tuesday. For July it was down 58 cents to 7308 a barrel. Crude oil for August down 16 cents to 7296 a barrel. The Dow up 135 points to 34012. S&P 500 up 27 points to 4251. The Nasdaq up 105 points to 14,246. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domell. I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts,